This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. The first temptation is to say that tradition has abandoned WrestleMania. That this grand spectacle, this enticing blend of celebrity and athleticism, has been taken hostage by a new generation of rogues. The baddest man on the planet. The toughest SOB. The reigning champion and number one degenerate. These are men determined to write their own destiny. To hell with historians who will pen their tale. But tradition is indeed alive and well. Because after all, despite the brash bravado, it's the allure of World Wrestling Federation gold that has brought these men here tonight. The very belt that has immortalized Andre, Hulk, and San Martino. The symbol of excellence that has inspired Gorilla Monsoon, the big cat Ernie Ladd, classy Freddie Blassie. A lineage created by Vincent J. McMahon some 50 years ago. So tonight, through sacrifice and pain, through breathtaking displays of athleticism that define mortal boundaries, these men that shun tradition are destined to become part of it. It's WrestleMania, the grandest of spectacles, the showcase of the immortals. A time to revel in the occasion. And somewhere beyond the spotlights, the father of the World Wrestling Federation will revel in it too. And now, WrestleMania. Welcome back to Review of Mania. 14. The baddest, baddest, bad, 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 baddest podcast on the planet. And I am popping the shit out <laughs> popping the shit out of the vocals here. Sorry. Well, it happens. We get excited about things. Yes. The baddest, 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 baddest podcast on the planet why do i say this because of one man mike tyson mike tyson has joined is he the on world. the show that would be amazing no sadly hi mike tyson i was degeneration x suck it, was I, it he didn't have his face tattoo which he was... did not have his face tattoo he was actually pretty good looking back then still yeah how father time has ravaged him and probably drugs. I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't, don't know. know. He was in The Hangover. I never saw any of The Hangovers. He had a tiger. But he had a tiger in the real life. He had like a zoo. Well, I know. That's the joke of The Hangover. Oh, okay. I, I never saw any of The Hangovers. That's all right. Anyway. WrestleMania 14. 1998. Coming wow. to you from Boston, Massachusetts. Boston, Mass. My neck of the woods. There you go. Holy crap, Zach. We reviewed WrestleMania 13. What a year makes in the WWF. I would say 1997 
1998 was like one of the most pivotal years in the company. I mean, just think about the mid-90s. WCW is coming on. 1995, WCW Nitro hits the air. Hogan's gone. Uh, Savage. Lex Luger. Name after name after name is jumping ship. WCW is kicking ass, taking names, proving Vince McMahon wrong that the quote-unquote wash-up talent can't draw. And, you know, at one point, WWF Raw was on the ropes with with um, USA Network on the verge That's of true. getting canceled. That is true. But then so, we started making some stars. We got... Oh God, Bret yeah. Hart. We got Shawn Michaels. We got Stone Cold. This, we this got guy. The Rock. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Matt, so we'll get into what happens the next night on Raw, but um, yeah, a very pivotal Raw, too, in my opinion. So here's what's gone down, man. So we saw Psycho Sid, you know, uh, you know, he became the ch- Undertaker became the champion. Mm-hmm. One short year later, Bret Hart's gone. Crybaby Bret and the infamous Montreal Screwjob, which just, if you don't know what it is, it was a 20-year anniversary last year. Or, no, two two years ago, sorry. Um, yes. Tons of podcasts. It's all over YouTube. There's a documentary called Wrestling with Shadows that incidentally wasn't about this, but pretty much became about this because of during the filming for the documentary, all this went down. But essentially, uh, put it easily, Bret Hart got a really, really good deal by WCW. He went to Vince McMahon saying, hey, I want to go. At this point, Vince McMahon had signed Bret Hart for a 20-year deal. I believe it was, what, a million dollars a year? It was something like that, but the the point of it was that when he... WCW offered him a lot of money at first. Like, it was $2.8 million a year for three years. And then Vince goes, well, I can't offer you that, but I can offer you, I think it was like $1.5 million. Mm-hmm. Per year for and it will be for the next twenty years. And remember, remember, this was like right after the period of like just downward trajectory. They were not doing right. good. They weren't making money. Right. And then a year later, Vince goes to Brett and says, "I can't afford. I can't afford your contract. So you can go to WCW. Basically, like Vince gave him permission to go. And he got 2.5, so he went down $300,000 a year. But still, it's $2.5 million a yeah. year. Who's going to pass that up? Yeah, no kidding. But the problem was is that they were having the Survivor Series in Montreal. And Brett was like, I'll lose, but I'm not losing in Canada. I'll lose the next night on Raw. But Vince was kind of paranoid because... There was this person named Alundra Belays who just took the title to WCW and took threw the it in the trash. Title. She was, 
the woman's title, threw it in the trash. Live so on Nitro. Want... And yeah, yeah. what's interesting about all this is there was a precedence that something like that couldn't happen again because WF took WCW to court saying, hey, you um, slandered our intellectual property and the the courts agreed and WCW had to pay like monetary damage. So like this was something that was already like established like, hey. It can't happen. Or if it did, it's going to cost WCW probably a lot more than whatever they paid for the woman's title because it's like, hey, you're doing it again. Right. You know. But Vince was very paranoid. So he, Triple H, Brett, uh, Sean Michaels, Shawn Michaels, and Earl Hebner yep. came up with a plan to screw Brett out of the title, which was essentially Sean would put on the sharpshooter, uh, which is Brett's finishing maneuver, and then Earl would ring the bell. Now, the interesting thing about all of this is that Earl Hebner told Brett that he would not screw him out of the title. On his children's graves, didn't he say? Yes. But he did anyway. He did. So that's essentially what's happening. The WWE basically bring that out, that angle out once a year. Oh, God. Now it's just now, done to death. Now, nowadays. So, you know. So, We're kind of sick of the screw job. Yes. So what parlayed from the Montreal screw job was Vince uh, coming out on Raw with the infamous Brett screwed Brett interview and this new uh, kind of bravado like Vince. Uh, yeah, he 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 morphed from Vincent McMahon announcer to Mr. McMahon, the owner of the WWF. Yes. And... What also what kind of ushered out of this was called the Attitude Era. And you can definitely see it at WrestleMania 13. There was definitely. the backlot brawl with the gold dust stuff. Like, Well, that was 12. Was it 12? Yes. Oh, yeah, it was 12. Sorry. Uh, so It's been going on. It's been morphing towards that gen- that way for a while. It but... wasn't as obvious unless you were like, oh, ah, okay. The seeds were planted. So... Vince McMahon comes out and starts an edition of Raw where he basically says... It has been said that anything can happen here in the World Wrestling Federation, but now more than ever, truer words have never been spoken. This is a conscious effort on our part to open the creative envelope, so to speak, in order to entertain you in a more contemporary manner. Even though we call ourselves sports entertainment because of the athleticism involved, the key word in that phrase is entertainment. The WWF extends far beyond the strict confines of sports presentation into the wide open environment of broad-based entertainment. We borrow from such program niches like soap operas, like the days of our lives, or music videos such as those on MTV, daytime talk shows like Jerry Springer and others, cartoons like the King of the Hill on Fox, sitcoms like Seinfeld, and other widely accepted forms of television entertainment. We in the WWF think that you, the audience, are quite frankly tired of having your intelligence insulted. We also think that you're tired of the same old simplistic theory of good guys versus bad guys. Surely the era of the superhero who urged you to say your prayers and take your vitamins is definitely passe. Therefore, we've embarked upon a far more innovative and contemporary creative campaign that is far more invigorating and extemporaneous than ever before. However, due to the live nature of Raw and the war zone, we encourage some degree of parental discretion as it relates to the younger audience allowed to stay up late. 
other WWF programs on USA, such as Saturday Morning Live Wire and Sunday Morning Superstars, where there's a 40% increase in the younger audience, obviously, however, need no such discretion. We are responsible television producers who work hard to bring you this outrageous, wacky, wonderful world known as the WWF. Through some 50 years, the World Wrestling Federation has been an entertainment mainstay here in North America and all over the world. One of the reasons for that longevity is as the times have changed, so have we. I'm happy to say that this new vibrant creative direction has resulted in a huge increase in television viewership, for which we thank USA Network and TSN for allowing us to have the creative freedom, but most especially, we would like to thank you for watching. Raw and the War Zone are definitely the cure for the common show. The urging of say your prayers and eat your vitamins is passe. The thing of good guy versus bad guy. We, you know, I'll play the entire clip for you guys. But essentially, that's the birth of what's called the Attitude Era, which many, many wrestling fans perceive to be the greatest era in professional wrestling and in the WWF's uh, existence. I mean, uh, they're delusional, but yes, that's they, what they, they think. Are. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, the Attitude Era lasted from 1998 to 2001, with this WrestleMania being considered the official start of the Attitude Era. So, they hit rating highs that will never, ever be seen again. Period. TV's changed so much, you're never going to see wrestling as popular as it was. Yeah, it, it's interesting because technically, like, the ratings peaks are not even <clears throat> during this time. It was during that MTV era. But, like they were the second highest around this time. Hmm. Well, there you because, go. Like, well, be, yeah, because like the the shows that were on MTV with Hulk Hogan and uh, Cindy Lauper and yeah, all those other people. Yeah, the Rock and Wrestle Connection. Yeah, yeah, that. Those got like 30s. Oh, wow. In, in, in this. And WCW and Raw were fighting over fives and nines and things like that. <laughs> So well, yeah. it's it's not it's not necessarily comparable, but like they're not. But yeah, you know, there was more stuff to watch on television at this time anyway, so it makes sense. Yeah. So Shawn Michaels uh, regained the WF Championship back at WF Bad Blood against the Undertaker after his younger brother Kane interfered, and the infamous call from Vince McMahon: "That's that's gonna be Kane." And, yeah, awesome. And the first ever Hell in a Cell match. Yes. Stone Cold Steve Austin won the Royal Rumble, and he gets to face Michaels at WrestleMania 14. Yes, Vince but McMahon, also... Oh, go ahead. Yep. Also, at, at the Royal Rumble, I believe, Shawn Michaels hurt his back. Yes. Uh, so Shawn Michaels and Undertaker faced off in a casket match, and during a backdrop spot over the top rope... Uh, you're supposed to go into the casket. Well, Michael's kind of overshot a little bit and hit the edge, and he broke like a vertebra, like a couple of vertebrae or something in his back. He, pro he probably didn't break a vertebrae, but he did probably slip a couple discs. But yeah, it was bad enough where essentially we won't see Shawn Michaels in as an active competitor until like WrestleMania 22. No, we'll see him at WrestleMania 19. Really? Yes. Oh, you're right, Kurt Angle. 
No. Uh, oh, it was uh, Chris Jericho. Jericho. Yeah, so it'll be a couple years. <laughs> so finally, uh, Vince McMahon brings in Sean, Ma- or not Sean Michaels. Vince McMahon brings in Mike Tyson. So, uh, as a special ring enforcer for the match, and the one nineteen ninety eight Raw, uh, DX came down and interrupted the whole Tyson segment, and Shawn Michaels challenges Mike Tyson to fight, and he goes, uh, he was calling his ass right now, here, boy. It was weird. So Tyson agreed to fight. Everyone leaves the ring. Both men get in the center of the ring. They push each other. And then Tyson points to his chin. It's like, okay, punch me right here. Come on. So Shawn Michaels grabs Tyson by the collar. Uh, He's wearing a WWF Attitude t-shirt. And he rips it off, revealing a D-Generation X t-shirt. Now Mike Tyson is a heel. And the deck is stacked against, uh, in the favor of Shawn Michaels. Now, from WrestleMania 13 to WrestleMania 14, for new listeners, who is D-Generation X? What, what is D-Generation X? Uh, they are a stable of, well, it was originally, the original D-Generation X started off as uh, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, or Try, as they tried to call him. Wait, what? They tried to call him what? Try. Try. Yep. (laughs) Tell him, try. Jesus Christ. I mean, trips sounds better. No, we're going to try, brother. Try. Um, Triple H's girlfriend, China, and then the original version of D-Generation X had Rick Rude. Rick Rude was supposed to be the mouthpiece, wasn't he? Well, he was supposed to be the muscle. Mm. That's right. He got hurt. But the, well, no, what happened was <laughs> they taped him being part of it, and the night that he appeared as part of Degeneration X at like the forming, he also appeared on WCW Nitro as part of the NWO. Yes, the only person to show up on two shows at once yes. on the same night. Whoops. Yes. So, oops. Um... They're rude, they're crude, and they use the word suck it. They tell everyone to suck it. And I will tell you this much. 13-year-old Rob didn't understand what suck it really meant. I decided it was something cool that was, was, you know, said on wrestling. And telling people to suck it. Oh, yeah, yeah, suck it, man. You're just like, yeah, fuck you. So you can't say fuck you at school, so you say suck it. And then you like get in trouble anyway because yes, you can't say that. And now you know, twenty years later, I'm like Jesus Christ. How embarrassing! Oh no, that's not embarrassing. <laughs> I got a story for our next podcast. That's embarrassing. Okay, well, yeah. Later, um, as of after, Shawn Michaels gets hurt. Triple H takes over. Yep, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into that. Yep, we'll get into that after the original review. All right, cool. Okay. Yes. Okay. I, I got some. I did my homework, man. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to talk about leading up to WrestleMania 14, or are you good for me to go? Well, let's get into it. All right, let's get into it. So this year, 
who do we have for uh, playing the star? This year's playing the Star Spangled Anth- uh, Banner rather than the national anthem is played by Chris Warren in the DX band. And uh, it was so bad, the crowd booed them out of out of the stadium, essentially. And the performances were actually removed from the home video and the network version of the of the paper view. Yes, that's true. However, they did come back to play Shawn Michaels. Oh God! Uh, yes, in. It's, it's terrible. And fun fact: Who was playing the guitar for the DX band? Oh man, uh, who could it be? Oh yeah, that's right, Jim Johnston, the man yes. behind oh, pretty much all the iconic themes you hear for the majority of. Don't have programming until they fell in love with, like, hey, let's go buy actual licensed music. Well, even then, like, Randy Orton's theme, uh, Edge's theme, like, when they started getting actual bands to do wrestler-themed music, they um, collaborated with Jim Johnston to kind of craft those. Oh, that's cool. But they recently released Jim Johnston from his contract within the last couple of years. Yes. And and now WWF or WWE has their own in-house music company called CFO dollar sign or dollar sign CFO or whatever. And they're okay. They're pretty good. They did Shinsuke's theme. Shinsuke seems pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. I like Finn Balor's theme. Yeah. Finn Balor's is good too. They're good, but yeah, I hope he ends up with like AEW or something, just to stick it to them. I I think he I think he's well. What he was doing with WWE because he was still around when CFO Dollar Sign showed up. Uh, he was doing all the music for WWF Studios, like their movies. Yeah. So I think that's what he's doing now. Hmm. Movie stuff. Well, there you go. All right. The intro starts off saying that many would say that the new generation doesn't care about the WrestleMania legacy and the name Hulk Hogan, Bruno, and others. I'm sorry, they name, you know, these people and everyone who shuns tradition will be part of it tonight. The package highlights the Michael Austin and Tyson feud and that's really about it. They just, you know, they just... They're really Jump much right like in. starting to like pull away and be like, "F our history." This is the new generation. Yeah, they don't stick with that for very long. No, no, they do not. Um, so WrestleMania, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. Yes, the best Lawler. team. Yes, and they start off with a huge. Oh Jesus Christ! Fifteen team battle royal. Are you ready for this? Yep. Because I friggin' got all these team names. Okay. And there's some weird friggin' teammates here. Yes, Bradshaw there are. 
and Chains. Flash Funk and Steve Blackman. Las Pericas, which was Jose Castillo and Jose Estrada. Oh, sorry, Jesus, sorry. Jesus and Jose. Um, versus Las Bariquas, which is Miguel Perez and Savio Vega. <clears throat> versus the Disciple of the Apocalypse, Eight Ball and Skull. The Godwins, the Hog Farmers. The Headbangers, Mosh and Thrasher. The Legion of Doom, with Sonny. Oh, Jesus Christ, I'm only halfway through. The Midnight Express. The Nation of Domination. I'm, I'm sorry. It's not just the Midnight Express. It's uh, the new, the new Midnight, yes, Midnight with Express. Bodacious Bart and Bombastic Bob. Fucking <laughs> hell. Uh, the Nation of Domination, which is Farouk and Kamal Mufasa. The Quebecers. Um, oh, yeah, and there's also D'Lo and uh, Mark Henry from The Nation in there as well. The Rock and Roll Express. Uh, the Truth Commission, which is Sniper and Recon. And finally, Too Much, Brian Christopher and Scott Taylor. So 14 of the 15 teams are already surrounding the ringside. And we start off the broadcast with the nation coming down to the ring. Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler are announcers for the night. The Legion of Doom come out with Sonny, which was huge because they'd been gone. And Sonny was hot. Oh, my God. I guess, I guess. Did you also get the Quebecers in there? No. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Team. No, I mentioned the Quebecers. Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was thinking of like the I, entrance or something. I didn't, I didn't hear. I didn't hear the Quebecers. I, I kind of went through it fast. Sorry. So all the teams enter, and I'm not even going to try. Uh, basically, I said, how did the Las Periquas and the Nation get the advantage having two teams for each of their groups? And then I realized, oh, that's not them. Anyway, Barry Windham is still gainfully employed. Uh, and he runs down and joins the match, even though he's not part of the match. But he's well, he wants to get he wants to get revenge on that traitorous Bradshaw. Yes, damn him. And he starts knocking people out, and they accept it, saying the ref didn't see how Bradshaw was eliminated. Really weird. So Ring eventually empties out, and the last four teams are the Godwins. LOD, DOA, and the New Midnight Express. DOA is eliminated, leaving three teams. Phineas is eliminated, and now we're just down to LOD and the Midnight Express, which is Bar Bart G uh, Gunn and Bombastic Bob. The Godwins grab the slot bucket and hit both Animal and Hawk to knock them out, uh, figuratively, not literally out of the ring. Uh, the Express hits stereo elbows, and Cornette celebrates with a loud, Woo! Fucking love Jim Cornette. But Hawk yeah, starts to fight back ask. and uh, hits a power slam uh, by Animal onto Bart, a big boot onto Bob, and finally LOD eliminate Bob and Bart to win, uh, and they get the title shot following the month at the Unforgiven pay-per-view. Yeah, I mean, but they needed something to reintroduce the LOD. Oh, Definitely. So yeah, it was an 8 minute and 29 second match. It was, uh, eh, it was there. Did you enjoy it? Uh, I mean, kind I'm, of? again, I was shocked at the, some of the teams, but man, they had a stacked tag team division back then. 
Well, it, there was a lot of people, but it doesn't necessarily mean that there was a lot of talent. That is very, very true. So now we go to the video footage of the public workout the day before. They then show Phyllis uh, Regis Philman wearing a Philman 316 shirt, which I really liked. Well, okay, I have to talk about this for, for a little bit. Because there were so many signs of people talking about, like, such and such 316. They need to get their own Bible verse. Yes, I agree. There was a big step up from the WrestleMania weekend with previous WrestleMania, as I said. Oh, fun match. Fun match coming up. The WWF Light Heavyweight Championship. Aguila versus Taka Michinoku. And at this time, uh, Taka Michinoku and, Bri- and uh, Brian Christopher were feuding over the WWF Light Heavyweight Championship. With some really good matches on Raw leading up to uh, WrestleMania 14. Yes, but the, they would basically... Uh, okay, uh, Rob, I'm sorry. I keep hearing myself. Hmm. All right, so Aguila who would later become S.A. Rios. Papi Chulo. Yes. And uh, Aguila's only 19. Yeah, he still wrestles in Mexico as oh, wow. Mr. Aguila. Mr. He's, he's See, he's grown up. Now he's <laughs> yes. a professional. Now you earn the milk. <laughs> so, we start off fast with a head scissors by Aguila knocking Taka out of the ring and then a baseball slide. And then a huge Ase moonsault where Taka had to run to catch him. Uh, <laughs> I think actually technically that was an Orihara moonsault. Ah, cause, okay. Because he used the, he goes, he doesn't use the middle rope to do the. Ah, well, I was going to what Jim Ross called it because. I know, but I they've always called that r- move wrong because, okay, so the Asai moonsault was popularized by. One Ultimo Dragon, whose last name is literally Asai. That's, that's also awesome. why he has the Asai DDT. But that's, that's the one where that the opponent picks you up, and then Ultimo Dragon kind of like swings himself, and then it grows into a DDT. Is that is that correct? Well, into a reverse DDT. It's basically like the oh, um, okay, Galita del Sol. Oh, okay. Okay, but. There was this guy in Japan called whose last name was Orihara, and that was his move. He'd go, he'd do a moonsault to the outside from the top. Oh, gotcha. See, you learn things on this podcast. Yes. Um, both men then try to suplex each other uh, with Taka on the ring apron, and Taka falls on his feet and hits a spin kick and then a running splash off the top rope a pin attempt by Taka for a two uh, Aguilar drops uh, to the out- Taka to the outside and then counters a forearm and Aguilar hits an arm drag off the top rope to Taka a huge running corkscrew plancha onto Taka to the outside Aguilar then hits a moonsault and into a pin for a near fall on- and Taka then climbs the top rope again and then stalls uh, Aguila then climbs the rope and then is punched off and then tries for a splash, but Aguila gets his knees up. Aguila then comes back with a head scissors off the top rope, but Taka comes back with a missile drop kick and calls for the Taka Michinoku driver. 
Um, Agatha then counters and tries for a head scissors and it's countered into a power bomb for a two. Aguilar then comes back with a splash, but Taki hits a drop kick in midair and hits uh, uh, hits a uh, Michinoku driver for the three. Uh, your winner and new, oh sorry, and still light heavyweight champion at 557, Taka Michinoku. Yeah, it was a really good match. Um, I really, just a couple of yeah, just a couple of notes on Takamichinoku because like he's he's kind of interesting. Um, so the reason he's called Takamichinoku, Michinoku is not actually his last name. Um, he um, worked for a promotion called Michinoku Pro, which was owned by the great Sasuke. And um, mm. the original Michinoku driver was actually a double underhook brain buster, but the Michinoku driver that he popularized was the Michinoku driver number two. Oh. So. Man. Just the, learning all just this stuff. Couple. Yeah. Um, and he still works for New Japan to this day as part of Suzuki Goon. Yes. And he does like fucking music or something. <laughs> So I, yeah, can't, I, I can't. I don't know. Oh, go ahead. I don't know. It's just like his. I don't know what it is, but in Japan, they often have these wrestlers come out with these awful, like English swearing. Music. Yes. Well, so, yeah. So with these awful swears playing on, because like, I don't know. Masa Chono um, came out to like a, a song that like had the N word in it like three or four times in the first like three seconds. And like I don't think he like understood what was going on. He just like liked the song. I want to go listen to it and play it, but like, it's probably very offensive. So I'm not going to. Yeah, probably. I just want to hear it and be like, man. I wonder if anyone knew. Like, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I they, they all should just have like anime like theme songs, like uh, Minoru Suzuki. There you go. Kaze Nina Ray. <laughs> I can't have to think this match was on the card because of WCW. Um, well, it was. I mean, they wanted to have their own version of the cruiserweights, and 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 to be fair, they really did try to have a good amount of talent. They they got Aguila, they got Takamichinoku, they brought in Brian Christopher, but they also just brought in a whole bunch of people for. Um, Taka to feud with. They brought in the great Sasuke. They had a really good match at Canadian Stampede. If you haven't seen that match, it's really good. Don't Even though know. Jim Ross calls him the great Sasuke all the, the entire match. Great Sasuke. Yeah. Ugh. Um. So they just brought in a whole bunch of people. They brought in Chajiri well before whoa, he was whoa. in EC. Yeah, really? Well before, yeah, well before he was in ECW. He was only three years into his Pro wrestling career. Oh wow! Like they, yeah, they brought in like Jerry a comes. ton of people. Oh wow! Jerry Lynn, like a whole bunch of really cool guys, just for the slight heavyweight division. Unfortunately, it later became a joke because you know. Also, Christian was part of it as well. Yeah, Jeff I Hardy. remember uh, Christian's. This is crazy. I've never understood this. I remember this clearly. I don't know why, but. Christian debuting and winning the light heavyweight championship. Mm-hmm. And then they did nothing. It was like, man. 
yeah, they didn't really do anything. He lost it to Dwayne Gill, who would then become Gilbert. Like, they made it a humongous joke. And so the last few people to hold the title were, you know, um, Jeff Hardy. And then there was also uh, Dean Malenko. Like, they had really good talent for this division at one point. They just never really put it took advantage of it but it, when they started at least they tried and the belt looks really nice too i like the red strap and all that other stuff yeah it's definitely different uh from the other belts this time i also kind of felt like though this match was just hey go out there and do crazy spots and i kind of noticed like if they weren't doing a high spot or something they didn't really gel too well it was like oh and so it didn't make sense either like they were just like oh we're gonna do this you know, this hurricane off the top rope. That's a transition move. Yeah, well. It's like, come I, on. Scott Steiner you know, would not be happy. I, yeah, probably not. But I think part of it would be like, is also the fact that we have Taco who speaks Japanese and he really doesn't speak English. And then there's Mr. Aguila here and he's Spanish. He speaks Spanish. They yeah. have the same vowel sounds, but they're not the same language. You they're know? just like, fuck it. Do all the high spots. No, right. I, I really liked it, though. I thought it was something definitely different, and I, I really, really enjoyed it, uh, regardless. I did find, you know, I did find a small nitpicks, but at the end of the day, it was like, hey, they're out there to just do flippy shit, and they did flippy shit, and it looked good, and no one died. That's true. Nobody did die. Oh, Jesus Christ. So now, our first, our first celebrity... Of the night. This okay. First off, this person is not a celebrity. I um, know. I know. And they only did this because Vince McMahon hates Bill Clinton with a burning passion, and I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, he burned my crops. <laughs> he put me on trial for the steroids. Yeah, damn I, him. Like I don't know, but like he hates Bill Clinton, so of course yeah. he brings in Jennifer Flowers. Yeah, and all I had to go Google. I'm like, who is this person? So Jennifer. Oh, you didn't know. I didn't know. So I Jennifer Flowers, basically before she was Monica Lewinsky before Monica Lewinsky, she claimed that she had like a 12 year affair with then Senator Clinton. And, governor or governor Senator, whatever. I don't fucking know. Anyway, she's kind of the one who started this whole snowball of the whole Clinton um, sex uh, stuff. Sex yeah. Stuff. I'm here with the intercontinental champion. Actually, the- whoa, actually, Jenny, it's the people's intercontinental champ. <laughs> Excuse me. The people's intercontinental champion, the rock. Now rock. Yeah. The people want to know if you were the leader of this country, how would you run things? Well, actually, Jenny, The Rock feels like this. First and foremost, the term leader is really beneath The Rock. The Rock feels like this. A more appropriate term would be ruler. Ruler. <laughs> yeah. Okay, then. If, if you were the ruler, how would you handle the homeless situation? Tell you what, Jenny, that is a touchy subject to The Rock. The homeless situation here in America. The Rock feels like this. As long as The Rock still has his palatial palace down on South Beach in Miami, Florida, he really couldn't give a damn whether or not they live in a frigid air box or a Kenmore box. As long as those homeless pieces of trash keep their cardboard homes off The Rock's freshly mowed grass, everything will be copacetic. <laughs> Jennifer Flowers is with The Rock. 
And oh boy, oh boy, The Rock, he is no longer the baby-faced blue chipper with his father. No, he did his infamous Die Rocky Die promo uh, that we talked briefly on the last podcast about. And now he is a cocky, arrogant, looks out for himself, dude. And holy crap, this was the birth of The Rock as we know him. The People's Intercontinental Champion, The Rock. Rock is asked if he was the leader of the country, what would he do? And The Rock says, the leader is beneath him. (laughs) He would be the ruler. He then asked about the homelessness problem. Apparently there was a lot of homeless people in the 90s. And I love this. (laughs) There was a bunch of homeless people just in the 90s. Oh no, they're they're still there. I see them all the time in Charlotte. (laughs) It's it. I don't know. Uh, it's it, it's probably more of a New York thing because Vince McMahon is so ingrained in what New York is like, and he's probably like, oh well, Rudy Giuliani was fixing the the homeless problems there, and oh, that's right, wasn't doing anything. Yeah, he, like, he was just like this whole thing is just ridiculous. I I think we should just skip it because it's going to make me mad. Oh no, I just love what he says. <laughs> the Rock says, um, as long as he has a place in South Florida and, and keep the cardboard boxes off his lawn, everything is fine. And The Rock could care less. And etc. It goes on about interns and other stuff related to the Clinton scandal happening at this time. The Rock is pretty funny. He is embarrassed. Or sorry, he's em- not embarrassed. He's embraced his new persona. And he's no longer the blue chipper, I wrote. The DX plan plays like shit. Or sorry, the DX band plays like shit and plays out Triple H wearing his robe. It's weird. Yeah, his flair robe. Yeah. Because he's trying to be Ric Flair. Woo. Triple H with China versus Owen Hart. So, I remember watching this Raw recently. Remember about a year and a half ago. Um, I was watching Retro Raws with uh, another podcast. And... This was a really weird, like, whole thing. So, basically, the whole event thing was, was Owen Hart had won the uh, uh, the title, and uh, this was uh, the European title, wasn't it? Yes. Yep. I forgot to write that it was for the European Championship. Um, so, Owen Hart won the title, but then he got hurt. Like, I think it was legit. And he was in an air cast and everything. But he said he was a fighting champion. And he faced, he said, okay, Triple H, I'll, I'll, I'll put my title up on uh, on uh, on the line on Raw. And even Jim Ross was like, why are you doing this, Owen? No, you don't have to do this. But he's like, I'm a fighting champion. And Triple H easily beat him. Well, so they take a million years. Oh, and the other big thing, uh, so now this is a match, like, coming back is um, now it's Owen Hart versus Triple H again for the title. It, it was really weird, man. It's like it wasn't as bad as just giving him the title, but they pretty much gave Triple H the title. Yeah. Um, the I think other, that the oh, most ahead. interesting thing about this match is that Sergeant Slaughter comes out and handcuffs himself to China. Yes. So the other big thing is China has been helping 
uh, Triple H win matches by giving low blows or giving forearms to people behind the ref's back. So, um, at this time, Commissioner Slaughter uh, is now going to handcuff himself because Sergeant Slaughter is no longer a physique rotund man. He is a fat guy, um, and, you know... He's hard to Okay, let's let's be let's be fair. Even in his main event he with was Hulk pretty Hogan, he, he was just a fat guy. He was. But he carried it well. Now he's That's just like, true. I'm no active, I'm no longer active. Let it out a little bit. Yeah, he he loosens the belt slightly. Just a slightly though. So yes. So the thing is, she is gonna be handcuffed to him, being he is so he's a man, you know, he's buff and fat and weighs a lot, so trying to Surely can't, you know, do anything. Okay. I thought it was also funny that the Sergeant Slaughter and China had the same size chin in this match. <laughs> that is true. So they take a million years for Slaughter to handcuff China. I don't know why they just don't ban her. You know, just keep her in the back. Uh, Owen Hart that comes out, no longer in the cast, but he's limping. And he had a quote-unquote severe strain, according to Jim Ross. Owen Hart tackles Triple H and lands several punches and then a back body drop. Jim Ross notes um, that this is Owen's seventh WrestleMania appearance. And he brings up WrestleMania 10. Okay, we've watched all of these WrestleManias. Where has he been? That's a great question, because the first WrestleMania I remember, it was like WrestleMania seven or six where he defeated Skinner in like record time. And then, and he, then the he, he was match. not there until WrestleMania 10. Was it nine or 11 where they had the tag team? We had the slammies. Oh, it was 11 because it he was wasn't 11. at nine. You're right. Yep. So yeah, I, I don't know where they got these numbers. Well, okay. But that that's, yeah, because that's the funny thing is because that next year's WrestleMania, Michael Cole says it's his 10th. Yes. Appearance. Oh my God, you're right. I even wrote that down in my notes. I didn't. So, <laughs> so they keep adding all. Like he, he went to three WrestleManias in one year. Oh man, he's, I just he, missed... he's like the doctor. He has a TARDIS or something, and he keeps traveling. <laughs> yes. And but... we're in a different timeline now, yes. where he's only at three. Oh man. Oh man, I didn't even realize. He hits her across for a near fall. And then Owen is on the floor, and China tries to cheap shot Owen, but misses. Triple H uh, tries for a splash or something, but Owen sidesteps, and Triple H crashes to the, into the barricade. Owen then tries a sharpshooter, and then Triple H ra- uh, rakes his eyes. Uh, knee lift stops Owen's momentum, and Jerry Lawler said that Triple H starts attacking... Wait, what? Okay, I don't even know what I was typing here. I don't know what Jerry Lawler said, and then I move on to Triple H just starts attacking the bad ankle. Okay. JR, or he said something. JR says that Earl Hebner is in intensive care at the moment, but you can order the pay per view in the hospital, so he's watching WrestleMania. According to a. So I was confused by this. So I found a forum post about this. I was like, what the hell happened to Earl Hebner? Like, what? What? So, prior to WrestleMania 14 pay-per-view, Hebner was in a hotel in British Columbia in the lobby where he felt sharp pains in his neck. Once he returned to his room, 
he looked in the mirror and found his eyes bloodshot. He hurriedly called his brother, Dave, who came down to help him. He was then taken to the British Columbia Hospital, where he remained until after the event. I don't even know what he had. Like, it doesn't even say what he had, but that no one really knows. Like, Well, I don't know. I don't want to speculate, but if it's like a sharp pain in the neck, it, that, like a blood that sounds clot? like meningitis. Oh, really? It's, yeah. Oh. That's one of the symptoms, anyway. Oh, okay. So yeah, I I I had to go dig for that. I was like, what? What? Merle Hebner? Huh? I guess he's not there. All right. So going back, Owen Hart starts fighting back, but Helmsley hits a DDT to put a stop to the. Mem- okay. He starts. Oh. Sorry, guys. Uh, Owen fights back and crouches Triple H on the ring post and tries for a cover for a two. Owen hits a power slam for another two. Owen then hits an enziguri. And then he re-injures his ankle hitting the enziguri. And Owen then gets a two. They heard a Karana attempt, but Triple H blocks it into a powerbomb for a two. Triple H then sets up for a pedigree, but blocks it and tries for a sharpshooter, sending Owen into the corner. Uh, Owen ends up slamming headfirst into the crotch of Triple H for a two. So that would have been an interesting finish. Uh, headbutt to the crotch for a win. Triple That's H very again, Russo. Yes. Uh, Triple H again tries for another pedigree, but it's countered into a sunset flip, which is encountered again, and then which is countered again into a sharpshooter by Owen Hart. China then tries to get into the ring, but Sarge stops her. China then throws salt into the eyes of Slaughter and decks Owen and then follows up with a low blow. Triple H then hits the pedigree for the win at 11.29. After the match, uh, she attacks Slaughter again. And, yeah, that's the match. I thought it was a pretty good match. I, I, you it know, wasn't... I thought it was a pretty good match, too. But I was... But I think that the whole China thing with Sergeant Slaughter kind really of distracted took away. from it. No, I, I agree 100%. It seems like they didn't, like, you've got these two great talents in Owen Hart and Triple H. They could definitely do good. But it's like, oh, we got to have this other side story. It's like, this match is interesting enough as it is. Yeah. And then the other thing that I found distracting about Triple H's performance is that he kept on doing all these Ric Flair-esque things. Like, Owen throws him into the corner and he does the the flair flair flop onto the, into the outside. And like, he's like, he's trying to be Ric Flair here. And I'm just like, you're not Ric Flair. You're not Ric Flair. You're Triple H. Yeah. Be Triple H. And then also like, he's like super skinny here for some reason. (laughs) Don't worry. He'll bulk up. Well, I know. I know he'll bulk up. Like next year he's, he's much bigger. And then (laughs) the year after, after that, he's humongous. Yes. He's like Lord humongous from like Mad Max. He's just huge. (laughs) And then he keeps getting bigger. (laughs) And then he slims down in the mid 2000s. And now he's humongous again. Yes. Well, I don't know. We probably won't Mm. see him this year for WrestleMania. Thank God. Well, I don't know. I don't want anybody to get hurt. No, I don't either, but I'm sick of seeing Triple H in WrestleMania. Just simple as that. <laughs> a video okay. package plays hyping up the mixed match, uh, tag team match. Marvelous Mark Miro has been called egotistical. 
Perhaps Miro thought choosing Sable to escort him to ringside would make him look good. But instead of looking up to Miro, everyone kept looking past him to see Sable. Tremendous ovation for Sable. Miro's rise to mediocrity did not compare to Sable's superstardom. Miro began a campaign to demean Sable. Sable, get the hell out of here right now. All Miro is doing is using Sable to draw attention to himself. No matter what Miro did, the fans hated him and embraced Sable. Miro needed assistance, so he enlisted help from the most shameless of the WWF. Folks, this isn't about sexuality. This is a hideous attempt to get the spotlight put on you by two men that are as insecure as anybody that's ever competed in the WWF. Once Luna got involved, matters began to get out of control. Miro was jealous of Sable, but Luna was enraged. Luna's life lacked any tenderness, but Sable was successful, kind, beautiful, and loved. Luna was like a possessed demon determined to destroy the woman who had it all. I am the one that is gonna take her Estee Lauder face and rearrange it into an Andy Warhol original. All the evils began to take their toll on Sable. She lost her gentle demeanor and fought back. Well, the bad blood is, is boiling between that woman, Sable, and Luna. You get back here, you little Oh, my. Sable has had all of this situation. Look at She just slapped Luna. Sable has had enough of Goldust Luna and obviously Mero. Mero's strategy had snowballed into an avalanche of insanity. As indignant as Mero is with Sable, he doesn't want anybody else protecting her but him. His marriage of convenience to Goldust was quickly dissolved. And I'm sick and tired of holding Luna back, blowing myself up <laughs> night after night. Well, it's high time that Luna, you and I both get what we want. We're going to issue the challenge right now, WrestleMania, mixed tag match. Goldust, Luna, Sable, Mark Merrill, if you got the guts, put her in the ring with us. The road to WrestleMania has been a sad one for Sable. Miro continues to turn his back on her. Without Mark on her side in the mixed tag match, Goldust and Luna will destroy Sable. Sable knows her situation is serious. WrestleMania's battle of beauty and the beast will determine Sable's life, love, and future. With Mark Merrill, so remember Mark Merrill uh, debuted at last year's WrestleMania. Mark Merrill is being overlooked by his manager, Sable. Also real, real life wife. Say that three times fast. He then uh, puts down an insult, Sable, and Mark Merrow sucks, I wrote. He gets the help of Goldust, dressing up as Sable, and then Luna also hates Sable for some reason. Sable, Sable is no longer nice, and she's angry and mean, calling Luna a bitch. So, yeah, this was weird. But essentially, Mark Merrow is supposed to be an asshole, and Goldust is weird, dressing up in lingerie and wearing a blonde wig, and it's just it's weird. Yeah, I mean... Or Okay, let's let's talk about the evolution of Mark Marrow here for just a second. Yes. He debuted last WrestleMania <clears throat> as the wild man Mark Marrow. Yep. Which is kind of like a cross between a, his new gimmick or like a new gimmick and kind of his little Richard thing from WCW. Yep. Kind of like a cross. Then he gets injured and he shaves his head. <laughs> 
So that's why he has the do rag and whatever. Oh, and, <laughs> right. They and play of his boxing. And now he's doing. Now he's doing the boxing thing, and he has a new move, the which TKO. is the TKO. Yes, which is. Which is fine. I like the TKO. I named a podcast after it that's no longer in existence. But his his last move was a shooting star press. And now he goes, "Eh, my my new move is a a spinning cutter. It's like it's not even close. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, I would rather do the spinning cutter. My body's going to last a hell of a lot longer than a shooting star press. It's true. And go talk to Billy well, Kidman. Well, well, yes. Well, Billy Kidman also really likes donuts. <laughs> so. Oh, good for him. I mean, there are people. Um, Shane. Shane still does the shooting star press. He does. You're true. But Shane only wrestles like three times a year. Well, that's true. But he's the tag team champions now, so he has to wrestle more. Yes. Damn. So Goldust comes out. As the artist formerly known as Goldust, he's wearing a silver outfit and has silver hair, and he's wearing red face paint and looks just like Great Muda. I was going to say that he looked more like Wolfpack Sting. (laughs) I forgot about him. (laughs) Oh, this is great. Goldust and Meryl... Wait, what? Goldust and Meryl start off the match... Wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I don't know. In my thing, I was thinking, like, wait a minute. Um, Weren't they friends? And they were, and now they're not. And, okay. Sorry. I got confused with my own notes leading into this. And, yeah. Jesus Christ. (sighs) All right. Goldust and Meryl start off the match. And Goldust gets an early advantage. But Sable is quickly tagged in. And Luna runs away around the ring. And the crowd boos. Uh, Goldust comes back in, and Sable's tagged in again, but again, Luna won't fight. With Meryl and Dust fighting, uh, a small Sable chant breaks out, and both men hit each other and are down in the center of the ring. Both slowly crawl to their corner, and both women are tagged in. Sable hits a double-leg takedown on Luna, and and then hits terrible-looking punches. Uh, Again, this is Sable's first-ever match. Uh, she then follows up with kicks to the midsection and the hair drag and hits gold dust for good measure. Uh, the crowd then is going nuts. Luna then tags in gold dust. Sorry, and Mar- Marrow. And then Sable tries attacking. Gold dust and Marrow are fighting it out. Yes. Um, and then. Eventually, Sable gets tagged back in again. She power bombs Luna, which gets a two count. Everybody cheers because she does the power bomb, and then Luna comes back and tries to choke out Sable on the second rope, um, but misses a uh, but misses a charge into the into the ropes. And Luna comes back with a shoulder block, goes for an Irish whip. Sable reverses the Irish whip and into a really bad-looking TKO where she lands on her knees um, and then wins at 10, or 9-10. Yep. So Mark, Marrow, and Sable win. Oh, and joke. then um, Marrow starts like going, Yeah, I won. I won. Great. Aren't I great? 
<laughs> well, hi. Yes. All right. <laughs> so, uh, moving on. Jesus Christ. I don't know what the hell was going on there. I think I got dyslexia or something. Ah. Uh, well, hyping up the first ever dumpster match, the IC title, and the IC title match, Tennessee Lee, Double J's promoter, is in the ring. I hated, hated Tennessee Lee. Wasn't he also a manager in WCW? Yes. He became, um, he did the road reports. Um, Colonel Marshall. <laughs> like that's what he sounds like. Pretty much like. the same gimmick. They pretty much he gained, he went from WCW, had the same gimmick and the name change, and went back with the same gimmick to WCW. Like he never changed gimmicks, just names. Yes, and then we of course he introduces Jeff Jarrett. Yes, who comes out with Jennifer Flowers in the ringside. Double, Ooh. Yes. Double J grabs the mic and asks Jennifer, "Isn't he great?" And he goes, "She's been with great." He's even great. And pretty, too. And then she introduces The Rock. With the nation. Yes. We are the nation. I love that theme. I do, too. It's so awesome. Um, it's much better than so, 10. Wait. Why the... So get this. Get this. Okay. The only reason Jeff Jarrett was out there was just to be seen with Jennifer Flowers. That's yes. it. He disappeared yes. into the ether. Because now yeah. we roll into the Intercontinental Championship match, who it's The Rock, the champion, versus Double J? No! no. Ken Shamrock. Uh, weird. <laughs> well, well, you know what it is, is Jeff Jarrett is buddies with Jerry Lawler. Like, they came, yes. like, they're from Memphis together. Um, and so... Jerry Lawler is probably like, you need to put Jeff on the card, Vince. And Vince is like, all right, God damn it. He can go out with Jennifer Flowers and and do his funky version of the Fargo strut. Yes. So, you know, we're recording this episode in February of 2019. Jeff Jarrett was recently re-signed back to the company under a Legends deal. And he's been coming out on Raw, which I find interesting, to his old heel music at this time period the ultra soapio country theme not as don't piss me off theme well because the basically the the don't piss me off stuff would later become you know slap nuts over in wcw oh, no, no, no. yeah but they they had the they had the kid rock ball with the ball like or sorry the cowboy ripoff but i was watching uh later i basically at wrestlemania 15 he comes out with different music and i was like why don't they use that music it sounds better than this boring country opera land music but yeah it's weird and he's a face so. well yeah that's true that that's also true but you know um jeff jarrett's not actually well he might be under a legends deal but he's also under a producer's deal he's like working oh, backstage yeah yeah oh yeah, that's right so that's like, right yeah Anyway, it's just weird seeing him back and here we're talking about him, uh, you know, <laughs> so long ago. Um, 21 years. So, this match came about because, oh my god, you talk about unprotected chair shots. Holy shit. The Rock blasts Ken Shanrock across the head like he's swinging a baseball bat. 
And he dents the shit out of this chair on Raw. All right. I love The Rock. Like, he is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. I know what you're going to say. He is is a dick when it comes to chair shots. Like, I I don't... Like, I don't say that lightly. Like, it's not even just Ken Shamrock here. Within the next year, he's going to brutalize Mick Foley. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I knew you were going down that path. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. So... He also has and hitting. He take oh. a, and here's the other thing: mm-hmm. if you're going to hit somebody that hard with a chair, chair shot, you know, like you shouldn't do that. But then don't put your hands up like you do and not ever take one. Oh yeah, freaking Shamrock just took it like full force. You don't even need to listen. I mean, even see the uh, the just just listen to it. Okay, apparently someone recorded it on fucking uh, uh, third, uh, just terrible. But point being is, um, Ken Shamrock is on his knees, and fucking Rock just winds up and just cross the front of the face. I'm surprised Ken Shamrock is not dead. If we're gonna that be completely true. honest, that is true. Um, so yeah, sorry about the bad audio quality. That would have been better because the video quality looked awesome. Anyway, so that match happened. He also hit Farouk in the head with a chair by quote-unquote accident. King said that he had something in his eye. So, yeah, it's the disintegration of uh, the di- the nation, essentially. Rock and then is... we'll lose that awesome theme song. We will. But we get an even better theme song. Can Chamek run... Debatable. <laughs> Ken Shamrock runs down to the ring and attacks The Rock. Tons of running back and forth off the ropes um, by Rock. Eventually, he's knocked out of the ring by Shamrock. He then, um, he then sees whatever and walks towards the back. He says, "Oh, sorry." He says whatever and walks towards the back. Shamrock chases him and attacks him on the ramp and drags him back into the ring. Both men exchange punches. After Ken Shamrock had to walk down to the ring to stop the, the count. Like, literally, they're in the aisle. And, like, Shamrock had to walk, like, practically, like, a good chunk of change just to go get in the ring and then go walk back, walk back to stop the count. Uh, finally, they are back in the ring. The Rock is the youngest IC champion at 24. Shamrock then hits uh, kicks. On uh, down strikes to the rock. Rock scoop slams Ken Shamrock and hits the people's elbow, which isn't named that yet. Uh, and it doesn't have the impact that it had later in his career. It's just kind of a move he does. Uh, in this case, like I said, it was just another move. Shamrock grabs the chair from the outside and pushes the ref down. Rock grabs the chair and smashes the hell out of Shamrock in the face and only gets a two. Shamrock gets back up. He keeps beating on the rock, and he hits a power slam for a two. An ankle lock by Shamrock out of nowhere for the win. Uh, But right after, the nation attacks, and Shamrock hits belly-to-belly suplexes and then faces off with Mark Henry. And he also does a belly-to-belly on Mark Henry. He then snaps by yelling. 
and continues to apply the ankle lock and Farouk uh, runs down but then just stands in the ring apron with rock with blood running down rock's face uh, from his nose and mouth it was a very uh, impressive visual so the rocks you know in the ankle lock screaming and yelling he's got this blood running down his face and uh, you know you see Farouk in the foreground like just standing there and then just jump off the apron and walk away Finally, officials run down to the ring and surround Ken Shamrock, and then he starts to belly to belly suplexing refs. And then some guy in a suit, and now Pat Patterson faces off with Ken Shamrock. Meanwhile, Jim Ross asks if he knows where he is. The Rock is dead, and they bring out the stretcher and cart him away. What do you think of this match? I thought it was fine, but I, you forgot to mention the most important part. What's that? The, re- the decision was the reversed. Oh, yeah. Did I write that? I guess I didn't. I was just so enthralled with Ken Shamrock going crazy on everyone. Yes. Uh, yeah, I even wrote Ken Shamrock at nine, at 449. Yeah, so The Rock. Oh, no. Incorrect. I've got more, apparently. Oh, okay. Fink then says the ref has reversed the decision uh, because Shamrock wouldn't release the hold, so The Rock is your winner. Shamrock then pushes everybody down and runs to the ramp and beats the living shit on the rock in the band area. Shamrock then raises the IC title for the fans to cheer. Meanwhile, the rock is beaten and bloodied on the floor. Shamrock leaves to his music. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I like it was fine. I I don't really like Ken Shamrock as a wrestler. No, I I never felt like he clicked. Because like his gimmick, wherever it is, is just him going, yeah. like he's trying, like he's like he's trying to go like Super Saiyan or something. Yes, exactly. And then he locks on the ankle lock, and then he continues to go, Rawr! like and like he's just yelling constantly. And then I remember, <laughs> and, like, this is the gear they gave him, the King of the Ring, with the uh, internal bleeding gimmick, where he made it pretty far. Um, yeah, it sh- definitely should have been the we'll, rock. We'll get into more in, King in of hindsight. Ring. Oh yeah. So I was so excited. They left the WWF commercial. Try lacing my boots. I remember downloading this commercial from AOL in a wave format. I know what you're thinking. I'm not a real athlete. I'm just a wrestler. I'm six foot ten, three hundred and twenty-eight pounds. I won boxing with golden gloves three years in a row. I was a national champion at the University of Miami. My jersey was retired at Florida State. I was the ultimate fighting champion. When you step through those ropes, bad things do happen. Had over two hundred stitches. I've suffered a dozen concussions. I've broken bones. I've separated shoulders. Damn near broke my neck. I've blown out knees. But I've still got up. This is who I am. This is what I do. I'm not really an athlete. This isn't real. Try lacing my boots. They're awesome. Yeah, they were awesome. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I really like these. And there was another one later on, like I think they're in church or something. Like, you want forgiveness? Take your ass to church. With classy Freddie Blassie. Yes. So the refs bring down a dumpster for the next match. The, the first ever dumpster match. Was there any more after this? 
Um, I yes, there was. Um, they did one fairly recently with Bronze Theroman and Kalisto. Oh God, you're right. And oh, Kalisto kept on right. going. I'm not trash. Yeah. <laughs> So to win, both members of the team need to be placed in the dumpster and the doors need to be shut. The So it's one of those like um, it was like one of the waste management with the with the big plastic doors on the top. Those yeah. have to be shut on the opponents. Kinda of like a casket match, but with garbage. So we have Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie versus the New Age Outlaws. Who is Chainsaw Charlie, Rob? Oh, man. Man. WrestleMania, what was it? WrestleMania 4, 5? We saw this two. guy before. Was it 2? I thought it was. I was thinking it was 2, but I was like, was he there? It is Terry Funk. And they pretty much just drop the gimmick immediately. And they're like, oh, it's Cactus Jack, Mick Foley, and Terry Funk. Also known as Chainsaw Charlie. But he's Terry yeah. Funk. Well, yes, because he's wearing he's wearing like um, a, a a funking uh, conservatory like t shirt. Well, yeah, funk you, is... university. I thought it was a, it was school. Yeah, yeah. And then to top it off, how do you complete the gimmick? We are going to wear a um, garter belt over my face. Yeah, he's wearing pantyhose, pantyhose over his face. Yeah, yeah. So I was trying to think of the name, like. The fuck is the name of that thing? Yes, he's wearing a pantyhose over his face. Just, just because. So basically, Chainsaw Charlie is Leatherface. Like that's the idea of the gimmick. And I can just imagine Terry Funk because Terry Funk has like this very distinctive voice. He's like, "Okay, Cactus, I'm going to wear the pantyhose over my face." And and Mick is like, "Okay, Terry, that's that sounds great. That's good. And I'm going to put powder all over everything." Okay, and I'm going to carry this big old chainsaw. Great. Yeah, okay. Awesome. <laughs> so this is, uh, so two months prior, uh, the New Age Outlaws, pre-DX, pushed Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie off the ramp, and they played it up like they died, and they were seriously hurt. A very memorable moment on Raw. I remember re-watching this, and man, it was awesome. Jim Ross sold this. Like, Mick Foley and and Terry Funk were, like, legitimately dead. The call was awesome from Jim Ross. He'd be like, no, no, there's humans in there. Those are human beings. God damn it. Well, it yes, but awesome. I, 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 I could imagine that they were actually probably hurt more than you would think. Oh, yeah, probably. I hope they put lace bubble wrap or something in there, because Jesus. Yeah, that. No, I think they good. just put like paper. Yeah, some cardboard. <laughs> so, uh, Road Dog come out. He does this shtick, and for some reason they censor the F in WWF. They must have been using an audio track from the censored tape days. Uh, same yeah. thing happens in WrestleMania 15. Uh, just kind of weird where they go back and use what. It's weird. So they ignore the Chainsaw Charlie gimmick and just outright call him Terry Funk, as I noted, as I said. Both teams pair off with Funk and Gun and Jack and Road Dog. Road Dog is ran into the dumpster, and Cactus hits a spinning knee, uh, hits a running knee into Road Dog's face. Cactus then tries to put Dog into the dumpster, but fights him off. 
Funk is backdropped into the dumpster, and then Cactus Jack is thrown into the dumpster. Road Dog then hits a standing Russian leg sweep into the dumpster, on the side of the dumpster, on Cactus. Didn't that look like it looked good? Yeah, uh, it probably sucked. The doors are slammed repeatedly under the heads of uh, both Cactus and Funk. Go ahead. Uh, no, I don't have anything to say. Oh, okay. Uh, Billy Gunn rips the Funk U shirt off of Terry, and then he hits knife edge chops under the bare skin. Both men are in the dumpster, and Cactus stops the door being shut with a double mandible claw on both outlaws, and is and he's able to crawl out of the dumpster. Funk comes back with a cookie sheet shot to the face of uh, Billy Gunn, who now has a bloody nose. Jim Ross mentions that Terry Funk uh, competed at WrestleMania 2. Finally in the ring, Funk and Cactus double-team the uh, Road Dog. Cactus Jackson hits a running elbow drop with a cookie sheet into Billy Gunn. Cactus Jackson pulls out a ladder from underneath the ring. A big ECW chant breaks out, and Cactus climbs the ladder, and Billy Gunn stops Cactus and then starts attacking him. And then Road Dog hits a cookie sheet shot across the head of Funk, who tips the ladder over, and both men go crashing into the cardboard lace dumpster. Cactus Jack crawls out while the outlaws double power bomb Terry Funk into the dumpster. Cactus Jack then crawls down to the ramp uh, and then takes him to the entrance, and they go around the entrance so uh, the camera ends up losing them, and then they just show random crowd shots. So they replay the ladder spot. They're in the back, now throwing shelves and carts into the camera. And the outlaws are beating the hell out of Cactus Jack. Knocking over life-size surge bo- uh, bottles and Gatorade bottles. Those are kind of cool. Um, yeah, well, you know, surge was, like, super popular. It was the 90s, and Coca-Cola had this new drink. So it's kind of like Mountain Dew, but dude, it was surge. Dude, you can still buy surge today. No, I know, but it, it's amazing. It went away for and went, went away, away for, for a long, long time. time. Yes. Cactuson comes back and hits a DDT on the on a forklift, and Terry Funk is driving the forklift, and the outlaws are lifted onto a pallet, and then he dumps both outlaws into a random dumpster, where Cactus Jack closes the lids. Terry Funk then pushes the pallet on top of the lid, locking the New Age outlaws into the dumpster. Well, Terry Funk yells inaudibly, and Cactus Jack and Funk celebrate at 10.01. So, I was thinking it was kind of funny. I'm like, but they brought this dumpster down. Apparently, you could use any dumpster. No. Well, they yes. They couldn't. They could use any dumpster. They just found this random dumpster in the back. I know. They didn't drink however, it with them. The, however, the next night on Raw, the decision would be reversed. Ah, okay. Well, there you go. I thought it was funny, though, because Jim Ross or... King was like, oh my god, they're, they're locked in there. And it's like, the door is right there on the side. Pretty sure they just push it open. True. <laughs> True. But it they was could, funny. But... This is a freaking awesome match. I love this match. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to watch. I mean, man. Just such a fun show. And the, to think Long about this, match. okay, so this happens in 1998. Yes. Terry Funk is 55 years old I know. during this match. It's crazy. I know. That's crazy. 
He's still kicking, folks. Uh, luckily, luckily now he's pretty much retired. He, well, like, he's, not... he's like retired like a million times. So I know, but like I think it's for real. Yeah, this it's time. for real he, this time. He and his brother Dory had a match in Japan in 2017, and I think that was the last time they had a match. And Dory's older than Terry. Oh wow! So well, there you go. So Jr. says that WrestleMania 14 is the highest grossing event in Boston. Cool. Yeah, maybe. Boston sports are pretty popular. Just, just a little. A video package plays hyping up the Kane Undertaker match. The resurrection of a damned soul. The torment of a troubled past. Born of the same blood. Two brothers. Now the story must be told. Undertaker! Burn the funeral home to the ground! You killed your family, Undertaker! I know it! You're a murderer! An instrument that Paul Bearer vowed would destroy each superstar. Until the man from the dark side would face his brother one-on-one. -on -one. But The Undertaker stood steadfast. For I will never fight my own flesh and blood. I will never fight Cain. will never fight my own flesh and blood. Kane, Kane, Kane's a, attacking his brother. Wait a minute, oh, he's gonna fight back. The, the Undertaker. The Undertaker's had enough. He oh no. He had a chance to, or he didn't do it. What must be going through his mind? What must be going through his soul? Undertaker, welcome to your worst nightmare. But in the midst of a nightmare, there was an awakening. Two brothers would reunite and fight together. It appeared as if the Crypt Keeper had lost his vile hold on Kane and the Undertaker's past. And in one glorious moment, two estranged souls became one. Kane apparently is extending his hand in some sort of bond or friendship to his older brother, and Undertaker is returning it. But the eternal flame
blame was merely a smokescreen as Paul Bearer and Kane's wicked plot of deception was unleashed on the Phenom. package was awesome showing all the events leading up to the wrestlemania event great stuff i wrote did you know that the wwf released a book that has the complete backstory of kane told an officialized version yes it's called could, into the journey buy. into darkness i want to get that and so i so i could read it but oh man that's awesome Pete Rose is introduced, and he says the last time he was in Boston, he kicked their ass. He then trashes the Red Sox. I hate Pete Rose. (laughs) (laughs) He mentions Bill Buckner, and then he just runs down the team, and it went on for far too long. How dare he make fun of the Red Sox. (laughs) He is a special uh, ring announcer. Uh, Kane picks up Pete Stone, or... Pete Rose and tombstones him, and JR loses his shit. So now Kane is a babyface going into this match as the crowd cheers. Druids come down to the ramp with large torches uh, coming down to the Ides of March. A lightning bolt strikes the stage, and the Undertaker's bong, gong sounds. Great, great entrance. Definitely. Kane versus the Undertaker. Part one. Yes, out of a million. 25 years later, both men are in the ring, face to face, nose to nose. Undertaker hit several right hands, 
and Kane is barely phased. Taker is thrown into the corner by Kane. Kane sets up for the tombstone, but places Undertaker in the tree of woe and rains down kicks to the head. Kane continues to throw Kane in the corner with thunderous velocity. The turnbuckles making lots of noise every time Taker hates them. Undertaker then climbs on the shoulders of Kane, but Kane hits an electric chair drop with a very impressive looking, uh, which was very sorry, which very impressive looking. Kane then drops, uh, drapes Taker across the turnbuckle, or sorry, the, the the barricade on the outside. Kane then grabs steel chairs and hits them across the back of the Undertaker. A fan had a foam fingers. Uh, hold on. A fan had a middle fingers giving the fing and a foam finger that was a middle finger to Paul Bear. Were these real things? Yes. So, um, I actually went and looked at these crazy things. They put everything on foam back in the day. You could get a foam 2x4 when, you know, Daxaw Jim Duggan was big. Yes, and they were more Hogan. expensive than an actual two by four. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't you can't actually bring a piece of wood into a, a, a arena. So, yes. Uh, Paul Bear then attacks Undertaker on the floor, and he kicks a downed Undertaker. Kane suplexes Undertaker back into the ring, and the crowd is kind of restless at this point. Undertaker hits a choke slam, uh, uh, and then he goes for the cover, but. Picks the shoulder up at two. He then hits a deadly, deadly sleeper hold. Undertaker tries for a suicide dive, but Kane uh, drives him through the Spanish announce table, back, uh, which was really impressive. Uh, back in the ring, Kane climbs the top rope. It's a flying clothesline, um, which is almost identical to the Undertaker's. Kane only gets a two. Kane then picks up for a tombstone. I'm sorry, uh, Undertaker picks up for a tombstone. But Kane reverses it and hits his own tombstone. And Undertaker barely gets his shoulder up at two. Undertaker then comes back with a clothesline, a big boot, and then he got, uh, and then he goozles. He's able to pick him up for the choke slam. But the camera cuts to Paul Bear that says, Damn you, dead man! Damn you to hell! <laughs> I freaking love Paul Bear. Undertaker then uh, hits a tombstone on Kane, but Kane kicks out. Undertaker then picks up Kane again, and he's in the tombstone position, and he hits it again, and Kane kicks out again. Taker then hits a flying clothesline, and then Kane sits right back up. And again, Undertaker hits a tombstone for the third time, and finally gets the pinfall. But Kane lifts his shoulder practically at three. Uh, Paul Bear then throws a uh, 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 steel chair into the ring. He then attacks the Undertaker. Paul there then gets hit with a right hand by the Undertaker. But Taker falls down because he's so tired, according to Jim Ross. Kane attacks Undertaker with a steel chair. And, but Kane tombstone. But then Kane tombstones pile drives Undertaker onto the steel chair. Either way, Undertaker won the match at 17 minutes and 5 seconds. So, and now he's 7-0. and oh. Yes. They didn't mention that. The, the streak had not yet come into anything. 
What'd not you, really. What'd you think of this match? I thought it was fine. The thing about it is that Kane and The Undertaker have never really had a good match. I agree 100%. I think that this was oh, was fine for what it was, but they've never really clicked all that well, and I think it's because they basically have the same moveset. Thank you. I was thinking the same exact thing. I was about to say the same exact thing. Yeah, they're just two big men who do European uppercuts and... You know, they do some impressive stuff. I mean, shit. I never saw Paul... Or never saw Kane ever do a suicide dive. I was like, Jesus. So it's like, if they had different movesets, like if they weren't like... I think later on they differentiated enough so that it was a little bit different. Basically, how I like to think of it is that Undertaker is Ken and... Or is Ryu and Kane is Ken. And they went down different paths where Undertaker really perfected the tombstone, whereas Kane really perfected the choke slam. Yes. But here they're basically Street they're... Fighter 2, Ken and Ryu, where they're basically the same. Yeah, and the point being is, you know, oh, it's his little brother. Do we know him? Yeah, it was his brother Kane. So, yeah. Yep. Uh, I was thinking of the thing about the Paul Bear fraternity test, all that. Yeah. So, yeah, the whole point was, well, obviously he's his brother. He knows all the same moves Undertaker does. Which makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it wasn't it... like with um, Brett and uh, Owen, you know. Yeah, they had they had some of the same stuff, like the sharpshooter and the pile driver and stuff like that. But th- that was basically it. They were, besides that, they were basically two completely different wrestlers. Yeah, um, I'd definitely give the match at least two stars. Yeah. Uh, another WF Attitude commercial aired with all the old timers with Gorilla Monsoon. And classy Freddie Blassie talking about how they never flew off the top rope. A video package and shows uh, Mike Tyson joining DX, set to the DX theme. Which is a great theme, by the way. Finally, we come to the main event. The WWF Championship match. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus champion. The Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels with special guest enforcer Mike Tyson. This is... It. Get ready. It's what it's all about. The World Wrestling Federation title at stake. Shawn Michaels against Stone Cold Steve Austin. And the enforcer for this big match, the baddest man on the planet, Mike Tyson. Are you ready? May I present to you the enforcer, the baddest man, the baddest.
Right. Um, oh, yeah. So, here yeah, I actually wrote about the match or the whole thing with Shawn Michaels. So, going into the event, HBK was in bad shape. Shawn Michaels suffered two herniated discs and a uh, crushed disc in his lower back, legitimately going into the match. That's so that's what happened. The DS- and, but, but there was another portion of it is that. <laughs> Shawn Michaels was also, like, taking a lot of drugs at the time to that deal is, with the pain. Yeah. And he also was like, I don't think I'm going to lose to Austin. So Undertaker took him aside and taped his fifth stub and said, if you do not do this correctly, I will punch you in the face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so Undertaker scared Michaels into doing good business. <laughs> I kind of wonder, like, do you think, just putting that aside, do you think Shawn would do something like that. Totally. At a WrestleMania? Yes. I could see it at, like, an in-your-house. No, I think he would totally have done that. Wow. That is a dick thing. Especially when you know you're hurt. And, like, Jesus. Um, so, the DX band plays out Mike Tyson with terrible lyrics, such as, Who's gonna kick your ass? Degeneration X. Stone Cold is then shown coming to the back with the anticipation music, where it's dun 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 dun. dun. Now that's the uh, they also used it when lowering the hill in the cell. And then glass shatters. Yes. Bow 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 bow. Me um so, uh the glass also breaks and the cloud loses their shit, and he came out to a real pane of glass breaking. Kind of cool. Feel bad for the person to clean that up. After hitting all four corners, Austin gets in Tyson's face. Once again, the anticipation music plays, and Triple H and China and Sean are walking to the back. And Michael says, "This is for you, Earl." Triple H gives the camera the middle finger. It's so edgy. Well, you know, they're like basically they're thirteen years years old. That's the whole point of DX. Yep. The DX band then plays out HBK to a very shitty version. The DX theme sucked so much uh, live. Uh, basically, it was like it was it was the shits. Like they didn't sound yeah. in tune. I mean, I feel I feel bad for saying like bad stuff about the DX band because the guy the, the lead singer is dead. Yeah. But but no, it, it sucked. Like it's like, did you even fucking practice? Like did you did not. you like? Were you guys just like, ah, fuck it, I'll just do it live? Yep. I, I don't know. It was bad. There was microphone feedback. There was just, it's just terrible. Jim Johnston was doing good at playing the guitar. Yeah, but damn. Michaels and Austin the trade jabs as uh, Sean is thrown into the turnbuckle and then again to the other turnbuckle. He then tries to escape and Austin grabs the back of the trunks and Michaels' ass is sticking out. 
of his tights. Um, and then he's dropped to the outside on a Triple H. Yeah, the exposed butt thing was like a thing that Triple H liked to do too. Oh, okay. It's, it's, it's kind of weird. Yeah, gotta 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 moon the crowd. It'd be funny. <laughs> and and also Bobby Roode likes to do that. For shame, Bobby Roode. You're better than that. Triple H then runs Austin into the barricade on the outside. Triple H and China are ejected from the match. Yay. Yay. Triple H and Austin are fighting in the band area, and HBA grabs a symbol and hits Austin with it. Austin is thrown into the dumpster uh, from the early earlier match in the evening, and then he's finally sent back into the ring. A huge Austin, Austin chant breaks out. Michaels tries for a flying uh, sledge, but it's blocked. Michaels is then thrown into the corner, and he tries for the fire flop, but can't make it over. and just seems to slam back first into the corner. King uh, brings, you uh, can tell that he's in a lot of pain. Oh, yeah. I, know, I was shocked with the, the shit he was doing. I'm like, that man is like either drugged up all the hell or just like, fuck it. It's one last match. Get it over with. Do what I have to do. But, yeah, King brings up his bad back at this point. Austin then tries for a stunner. But uh, Michaels pushes him away. Michaels then is knocked onto the apron and then is knocked off the apron into the English announce table. Austin hits uh, elbows to the chest of Michaels as he kicks out at two. Austin uh, then slows down the match with a sleeper hold in the middle of the ring. Michaels then tries to crotch Austin uh, around the ring post, but Austin reverses it, sending Michaels uh, headfirst into the ring post. They then fight in the timekeeper's area, and Michael's back body drops Austin into the crowd. And as Austin's trying to get back, Michael hits Austin with the ring bell. I got deja vu from uh, the previous WrestleMania 13 uh, no I quit match. Mm. A Holyfield chant then breaks out, and JR and King can't understand what's being chanted, but it is clear as day. Michael's then walks around the ring giving. Uh, the fans two middle fingers uh, Austin then gets back up and tackles Michaels and then throws him over the top rope to the floor Austin tries to pull Michaels back into the ring but Michaels attacks the leg of Austin by hitting against the ring post um, a big back body drop by Austin and then a flying forearm by Austin on Michaels uh, uh, on to Austin by Michaels both men are down but HBK nips up and then climbs the top rope slowly. Michaels hits a picture-perfect elbow drop onto Austin. Michaels starts stomping the mat to tune up the band. He's getting ready for the sweet chin music. Uh, super kick. Austin then ducks a super kick and tries for the stunner. But the Michaels then pushes him off. And Austin hits uh, the stunner. Mike Tyson then slides in. Fast count Stone Cold. Your new WWF champion, Stone Cold Steve Austin. So we'll get to the aftermatch stuff. What did you think of the match itself? I thought it was okay. It wasn't Sean's best performance, but he was really badly hurt. So given that, I, I give him a lot of leeway. The other thing is that Austin... I think he was, like, super nervous, so he was a little sloppy this match, I thought. So, 
Yeah, I was, gotta agree. Like I, 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 I agree with you. So I think overall it was a good match, but neither man was doing best that they could have. Yeah, I mean, probably Austin also probably wanted to be careful with Michaels, knowing of the shape he was in. So I could definitely see him going easier, not going, you know, 100%. Right. Also, I just kind of felt like Austin's aura, like, just, he was definitely over, and anything he did, the crowd lapped it up. And I think it really, really helped the match, too. Yeah. So I think just Austin being in the match just boosted it. Um, I definitely agree, though. I think it wasn't, obviously not Michael's best, but, yeah, uh, definitely just, uh, it was amazing to see Austin go over. The crowd, JR's call, uh, just everything was just so awesome. It really felt like a new era in the WWF had started. So after the match, Tyson holds up an Austin 316 shirt, and Michaels gets up and sees Tyson waving the shirt, uh, and Michaels, and gets in the face of Tyson. Michaels and tries to hit uh, Tyson, but Tyson blocks it with a punch, knocking out Michaels. Tyson then raises the hand of Austin in the middle of the ring. Stone Cold celebrates in the ring as it go off the air. Okay, so I really like this moment. However, I, I don't know why WWE often feels the need to recreate these moments. Because they tried to recreate this moment at WrestleMania 25. With Rock and Roman Reigns. No. No? With, uh, oh, with Chris Roman. Jericho and Mickey Rourke. <laughs> I don't remember um, that. Yeah, okay. So, basically, they did the exact same boxing spot. Oh, okay. My memory's not that good. Well, we'll get to it. We will. In, in 11 episodes. Yes, yes, we will. So, yeah. Um, I, I, I think we've already said enough we can say. I mean, it's definitely awesome. Awesome to see Austin get the title. So... Uh, you ready for the, you want to do the ratings or do you want to talk about what happened the next night on Raw? Uh, let's do the ratings. What did the, what did the wrestling observer Dave Meltzer have to say? All right. The 15 man battle royal, uh, or the, sorry, 15 team, uh, negative half, half a star. I could definitely see that. Uh, talking Michinoku versus Aguila. Man, Dave was rough on this. Half a star. Hmm. I, I thought it was a little bit more fun than that. No, I, I definitely agree. I would say at least maybe two. Hmm. Uh, Owen Hart versus Triple H got three stars. Okay. Sable and Mark Marrow versus Goldust and Luna. Minus five stars. Three stars. Negative three stars? Three stars. No. Three positive stars. The Rock versus Ken Shamrock? Half a star. Mm. Oh, sorry, star and a half, sorry. Okay. Star and a half. The New Age Outlaws versus Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie? Three and one fourth stars. Okay. Undertaker versus Kane? Uh, half a star. And Shawn Michaels versus Steve Austin? Three and one fourth stars. 
Same exact as a dumpster match. Hmm. I would okay. almost say the dumpster match was more fun. Well, yes, the dumpster match was clearly more fun. Yes. So, the following night on Raw, it was a very pretty memorable in my opinion. Triple H took over D-Generation G- X. The New Age Outlaws joined the group. And X-Pac returned to the WWF. And you're probably saying, who in the hell is X-Pac? X-Pac was the former 123 Kid uh, from the early 90s. I remember him from our WrestleMania 11, I think it was. Where it was uh, the, ro- the Road Dog and X-Pac with Jeff Jarrett and... The Honky Tonk Man, or not Honky Tonk Man, um, Jeff, it was that match, it was a tag team, where they were both yeah. on the outside. Yeah, yeah. Um, X-Pac was there to rip ass on the WWF and calls out Eric Bischoff. So, uh, yeah, in my opinion, a pretty, pretty memorable Raw. They also had the Vince McMahon versus, the, the seeds of Vince McMahon versus Stone Cold Steve Austin feud, uh, that will get bigger and bigger as we go towards WrestleMania 15. So, uh, Vince McMahon comes out and says, you know, hey, I'm really happy that you're the the new WF champion, but, you know, we got to talk about your language. You know, we don't, we don't, you know, we don't like that stuff here. We're a family-friendly company. And Vince McMahon says you can do it either the hard way or the easy way. And Austin chooses the hard way. And stuns Vince McMahon, thus setting off a long culmination leading into WrestleMania 15, which we'll talk about in the next episode. Because, oh my God, you talk about another year that what a year makes. Oh, mm-hmm. Holy cow. So, let's, let's cap this off. What was your favorite match of the night? Probably the dumpster match. Yeah, I would probably say the dumpster match. If not, I would say the uh, Takamichinoku versus Aguila match. Mr. Aguila. Yes. Um, Performer of the night? Performer of the night. Um, Sean. Uh, Yeah, I would say Austin would be too easy to pick. Yeah, no, I agree with you. All right. Um, Is there anything else you want to talk about WrestleMania 14? Anything else? No. All right. Well, there you go, guys and gals. WrestleMania 14's in the books. We now go on to the Raging Climax. WrestleMania 15. Sounds like something out of the, out of Japan. It does. <laughs> but this is not in Japan. It is in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Hmm. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Check out the other great shows on CosmicPotato.com. Check out our previous episodes. We have redone all 1 through 14 at this point. So uh, you can start from the very beginning as well. And we have some great bonus episodes. Yes. Uh, who, do we, who do we have? Uh, we have Genichiro Tenru. We have Keiji Mudo. We have Mitsuharu Misawa. Um... I think that's about it. That's about it. But we're getting there. We're slowly ticking our way down the great wrestlers of Japan. Uh, a lot of stuff I haven't seen. So it's been really, really fun to listen to my 
reaction to these video, uh, these matches. So, until next time, thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.